Hello and welcome to Five Alive Devotional. This is our 10th episode and we are going into the book of John chapter 6, kind of picking up where we were at last week. And we are going to read quite a bit of scripture today. It is the 22nd verse through the 71st verse. We're going to split it up. Xavier's going to start off for us this morning. And uh, we're talking about Jesus um, as the bread of life. And so here we go with verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place and they had eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said unto him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said unto him, Then what sign do you, then what sign do, you do, that he may see the, and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said unto him, Sir, give us the bread always. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the thought that gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son believes in him should in have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that come down from heaven. And they said, It is, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is when the prophet written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to see me, comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes his, has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread and come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread will, I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by, granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon P Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Thank you so much for the reading of the word of the Lord today. And I, I just want to take... Uh, um, a relook at some of what that has happened in this passage of scripture so far, and, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, first of all, in John chapter six, uh, Jesus feeds five thousand, or feeds the five thousand, and so he has um, given them bread. Uh, yes, it was five loaves, two fish. Jesus multiplies it, gives it to the 5,000. They eat of it. They're satisfied. Twelve baskets are gathered back. And, uh, and Jesus is able to um, uh, perform a miraculous sign there. Then uh, the disciples, some of the disciples, get into a boat and they cross the sea. And these 5,000 people, they witness the disciples get into the boat and they witness them start off across the sea. They also witness that Jesus goes up onto the mountain in solitude by himself. And so they, they witness that happening and then they, they, they go to sleep. The next day they wake up and uh, they see only that one boat still gone. And, um, and, and, and they don't want to go up the mountain, I'm guessing. They just kind of go look for Jesus. So they cross the sea. And as they all get into their different boats and they cross over the sea to Capernaum, uh, they see Jesus there. And they're like, whoa, 
what did we miss? And, uh, and so they don't uh, go through the whole scenario of what we talked about last week with Jesus walking on the water or calming the storm or any of that. They just go right on into, wow, how, how are you here? And, and, and they're still just in wonder of how in the world was it that you, um, you fed us yesterday. And, um, and so this is what's going on. And, and, and in their minds, they're still thinking of this miracle. This bread has, uh, has been manifest in their very eyes. Uh, these are not people who all um, are, are just fed every day like you and I are fed every day. Uh, but instead that they, they are working and toiling for their food. They're struggling and they need food. And so therefore, um, most of their wages, in fact, theologians and people tell us that 85% of the average person's wages in Jerusalem, Israel at this time, 85% of what they earned went towards uh, uh, their food. And so when Jesus provided their food for them, he's providing a, a great need. He's meeting an incredible need to the point where, uh, you know, you think about it today. If, if, uh, if you work and then all of a sudden you're given double pay, you have a choice. Either you keep on working and you make more money and you improve yourself or you get to relax and have a holiday and hang out for a little while and you don't really have to do as much work because your food's covered, you're, you're, you're provided for. And so the, the desire of the men and women of this day, they have this, they have this need and it's to eat and it's been met by Jesus. And so they come to him and they ask him a question. And, th and that's just kind of where I want to go base off of uh, today's uh, lesson is off the two questions kind of that the, the, the people asked of Jesus. And that is, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And, uh, and that's the question that they ask in verse 28. What must we be doing to do the works of God. And this is a constant companion of the religious quests today uh, in 2020 or in the 21st century in general is religious leaders uh, are constantly asked, what must we do uh, in order to do the works of God? And then religious leaders, they kind of manipulate and they kind of work things out and they give answers. Religious leaders then create demands of people and that those demands that they create of people usually suck the life out of the people and give all of the benefit and the blessing to the religious leader. Uh, governments have picked up on this and kings. And so religious leaders, uh, they go through and they do the same exact thing as they say, don't listen to religion. Don't listen to this. Politics has all of the answers that you need today. And so come to us and we'll tell you what you need to do in order to, in order to uh, achieve utopia or in order to achieve what's good for yourself or good works of God. And so they, they, um, they then give their answer. And then we have companies today that give us advertisements and they also try and answer this question of what must we do in order to survive or must what must we do in order to please God or what must we do in order to serve God and so then they say buy our product and that's what's going to give you the answer of what you need to do and then you have idols that do the same thing you have the idols that are constantly calling to us, calling to our bodies. You have the idols of money and power and sex 
and they're constantly calling to us saying, we're going to be the ones that will fill that void in your heart of what you need to do in order to achieve fulfillment in your lives. And instead, Jesus doesn't give the people anything uh, of, of some kind of a, a question of here's what you do. And if you do step one, two, three, then all of a sudden you're going to achieve the works of the Lord. No, Jesus just says this very simple thing. He says, the work of God is that you believe in him who he sent. In other words, the work of God in order to achieve the works of God is to believe in Jesus. And this is a difficult thing for many, many, many of us. In fact, it's even difficult for those of us who believe on Jesus at times because there's times that we think there's got to be something more to what this world has to offer or more to what I am doing. Or maybe there's even times that as a Christian, we even feel like, oh my goodness, I, I, I feel like what I'm doing right now isn't sufficient. Uh, and so we seek after even more. And Jesus' words are still the same. They ring out to us today believe on me believe in me trust in me know that i am the one that will fulfill you know that i'm the one that paid the overall ultimate price for you and just trust in me and and that's the answer um, that the um, men and women are looking for that have come seeking him in capernaum and yet it's just a difficult answer for them uh, to to gravitate towards or to comprehend fully. And, and so they start going on to thinking about the bread. And as they think about the bread that Jesus fed them with, they say, hey, Moses had a sign and that was manna in heaven. And so what is, what is another sign that you can give us even though they've already been given a sign. And if we can remember back through scripture a couple of chapters ago, Jesus knows man's heart and he knows that he is bent on evil and he's always going to demand a sign. Even when a sign is given, it's not gonna be good enough. There's gotta be something more. There's gotta be something more. Our hearts are constantly craving something new, something fresh, something original, something that makes me look better. And what the men and women are doing in this moment when they're demanding a sign from Jesus, in verse 30 is they're doing exactly like what we do today when we say oh what you've done is not enough we need something more and there's so many of us that have been uh, guilty of acting this way I know myself uh, included and Jesus has just sa says to them uh, in a simple response it wasn't Moses that uh it wasn't Moses that created this sign it was God that gave the sign it wasn't Moses that called manna up it was god who provided the manna for you and so i looked through uh the passages of scripture of the old testament a few of them and it just got me thinking of the signs that have been demanded throughout the centuries by people uh, specifically in in the bible and we constantly have this desire for a sign and jesus gives us the sign it is himself he is the bread of life. And so I just kind of want to briefly go back to that um, first question, and that is, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And I want to just open it up to you guys. Have you, um, have you an example? Have you a question? Has, has this ever been an issue that you've thought about before of, of coming to God and saying, okay, God, I know where I'm at right now, but is there more? Is there something I'm missing? Is there like is that ever been a question that's been on your mind? What question? 
What was the question? The I wasn't really listening. <laughs> you okay, so I was thinking something else. So what were you thinking about? Well, I was just thinking through you asking for a sign and the fact that Jesus even came to the earth was a sign because I can't remember what exactly what king it was, but there was a certain I can't even remember the prophet at this time because I'm studying the Old Testament and I forgot all of them. But anyways, God asked the king to ask him for a sign. And the king said, I I don't want to ask you for a sign because that shows I don't trust you, God. Mm. And so I don't want to ask you for a sign because that shows my humanness and uh, that I don't trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so God, honoring his answer, says... Well, even if you said you don't want a sign, I'm going to give you a sign in anyways. And I'm going to give you a sign through me sending my son into a virgin woman. And she's going to give birth to a son, even though she was a virgin. And so that Jesus coming was originally a sign to a king who didn't get to see it. But it was the fact that he trusted God so much that he did not want to ask God for a sign. Yet God gave him one anyways through Jesus. And so that the peop- the reason, the fact that these people don't recognize Jesus being there at that time as a sign in and of itself is kind of sad. Kind of sad. Yeah. And that was the prophet Isaiah. It was the prophet Isaiah. Yeah. I didn't remember which prophet it was. <laughs> I just remember finding that. I remember finding that really cool and how even though the king was like, I trust God so much that I need not ask him of a sign instead of being like Gideon and other guys who ask God for five different signs before they do anything. And he was like, I I don't want to be like them. I want to trust in God wholeheartedly, and I need not ask him for a sign because I know he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's exact. You're right on line with what I'm talking about right here. I mean, there's not, there's nothing, you didn't miss a beat, uh, even though that was where your mind was going and you were focused on that. You're, you're right on, uh, you're right on track, uh, tracking along exactly with what we're talking about today. So that was, that's absolutely perfect. But yeah, it is something that it, it happens to us. We think about, oh, I need a sign to see if I'm really doing the right thing. Am I really supposed to uh, um, you know, am I really supposed to sing this song? Am I really supposed to write this uh, letter? Am I really supposed to compose this email? Am I really supposed to post this on social media? And we go through these steps where we're, we talk about, oh, well, I need to pray about it. And sometimes we cripple ourselves uh, with constantly looking for a sign from God of what we're doing and is it the right thing? And instead of actually doing what needs to be done, we cripple ourselves going, well, I need to pray about that first. Well, I need to pray about that first. Well, I need to pray about that first. And, and, and we're asked by a pastor or we're asked by a priest or we're asked by uh, uh, even a, a, a poor person uh, for assistance and our response is, well, let me, let me pray about that or let me think on this for a little while. And the need is immediate. It's not something that needs to be contemplated because if God has sent us, then we do the work. Um, it's just like the migrant workers here in India right now. It's not that the migrant work, we need to pray about helping migrant workers and feeding them and making sure that their needs are met. No, we don't need to pray about that. We need to do, we need to put it into action. And so what are the ways that we're doing that? And, and, and so that, that's one thing. And, and what do you have there, Blair? Nothing? Mallory? What? <laughs> okay. Uh, so 
So with these signs that people are constantly trying to create that they have the answer or they have the sign and they distract us from whom Jesus really is. Uh, And Jesus says, believe on the one whom God sent, which is him. The people still ask for a secondary sign. And, um, and, and so I looked at the importance of bread and I just kind of want to go through a couple of things and go ahead and interrupt me here uh, wherever uh, you see fit. But I just wanted to start off with the book of Genesis. And um, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve are asked to leave the Garden of Eden. They're kicked out because they've sinned. And as a result of their sin, as a result of trying to set themselves up above God and say that they know better than him because they ate from the tree of what? Do you remember? Life. Close. Death. No. Clo- uh, no. The tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that was a sin because God had commanded them not to do it. So they were trying to set themselves up over God, and, and, and God kicks them or removes them out of the Garden of Eden. And as a result, a part of what God says to them is, is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, and it is that by the sweat of your brow or by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. And, and that points us to the fact, I mean, this is the exact words that is found in Genesis 3.19, is that you are going to make bread and it's going to be done by the sweat of your own brow. In other words, you're going to have to work f- to provide for the food that you eat. And, and so that's what's going on here. And this is kind of a foreshadowing and a reminder of our sin. This is a reminder of our sin, and it is something that is totally uh, 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 foreshadowing that Jesus is the eternal bread and that he is uh, going to be given to us. And it also foreshadows what's going to happen in Exodus, where it gives us a glimpse of the fact that the bread of heaven is going to fall and that the people will be able to eat. And so as these things are spoken of, just at the very beginning of the scripture is quite amazing to me. Next, we have Melchizedek. Do you remember who Melchizedek is? I pronounced his name wrong, apparently. <laughs> you pronounce his name wrong. What do you say? Yeah, so Melchizedek. Melchizedek. So Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, as Xavier says, uh, um, he is the priest or the king of Salem. And um, Abraham has gone out and he has uh, uh, waged war against some people who had stolen from him. And as Abraham is coming back, Melchizedek appears before him, and it says this, Melchizedek pulls out bread and wine and then blesses Abram. Now, do you find that fascinating that the choice of what Melchizedek gives is bread and wine? Bread and wine. When else do we have bread and wine? How How do you keep the bread inside your pockets? Do you put it inside a thing? I don't think he was walking alone. I think he had an entourage of people with him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it says in Genesis 14, 18, that he gives Abram nourishment, and that nourishment is bread and wine. Now I ask again, when, uh, when do we take bread and wine? Oh, communion. Hey, yeah, communion. And yet this is talked about in Genesis. Bread and wine and a blessing is given. 
And it's a foreshadowing again of what Christ is talking about here in John chapter 6. It is showing us the sacraments of communion are exactly what they're supposed to be. It's not like the Jewish people, the Israelites of Jesus's day are really caught off guard if they really studied the scripture, even just the book of Genesis, the very, very beginning. They would see that Jesus is going to be the one that provides the wine and the bread, which is exactly what the author of Hebrews talks about when he says that we serve a savior who is in the order of Melchizedek. He says those exact words. And so we have these two examples of, of bread in the Old Testament. And then if we move on into um, the Exodus, uh, we, in, in chapter 12 of Exodus, this is the preparation for Passover. And if you remember a lot, uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000, it was the time of the Passover for them. And so here is bread provided for the 5,000 people and it's not really much different than what's going on in Exodus chapter 12, where we have the Israelites told, bake unleavened bread or bread without yeast and make it so that that way you are prepared to leave because you're going to be asked to leave in the middle of the night. And so you've got to be on the run. So you're going to make these cakes of bread fast. You're going to uh, have them prepared. You're going to get them ready. You're going to eat them and you're going to go um, into the promised land. And so I am going to lead you out of slavery. I'm going to lead you out of Egypt. You are going to have a mass exodus out of this country, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. And as a, he, uh, Moses continues to talk in the book of Exodus chapter 12, he says that the bread must be, the, not just the lamb, but the bread must be consumed by all all of the participants in the Exodus. And so he says that this is also the way it's going to be when we celebrate the Exodus in the promised land is that we're going to remember this for generations. We're going to continue to celebrate this as a feast and we need observers must eat all of the food. All of the bread must be consumed. And, um, and this represents the fact that God has brought the Israelites out of slavery, out of captivity. He's carried them into the promised land, and he is giving us the very same type of promise. He is rescuing you and I out of our slavery. And what is our slavery to today? Our slavery is to sin. Our slavery is to idol worship. Our slavery is to worship of ourselves. Our slavery and bondage constantly keeps us thinking not on the things of God, but on other things instead. How can I please myself? What will this do? How does this work in my favor? And so we look at pleasing ourselves and not pleasing God. And this is how we see bread throughout the Old Testament. But then bread also has another importance in the Old Testament. What is always supposed to be in the tabernacle before the Lord on the the table that is in front of him. Do you remember? Shoe bread. Shoe bread. Show bread. It is supposed to be in front of him at all times. Exodus chapter 25, verse 30. It's pronounced what? It's, it's spelt shoe, S-H-E-W, right? <laughs> yeah, S-H-E-W, showbread. <laughs> and so we have uh, Exodus 25, verse 30, the showbread must be in front of the Lord in the temple sanctuary at all times. Exodus 16, 15, manna, uh, 
had fallen from heaven. This is another type of bread. It had come from heaven in Exodus 16, verse 15, and Numbers 11, 7 through 8. Um, it talks about manna came from heaven and the people were hungry. Manna came from heaven and they gathered it. How many days a week would they gather the manna? Six. Six what? days a week. Okay. What happened on the sixth day? How much did they have to gather? Uh, enough for two days. So on the sixth day, they had to gather enough for two days because were they allowed to on the seventh they go gather manna? No, because you can't work on the Sabbath. Right. So God has instituted the Sabbath day. They go out and they gather manna. And you know what is a really interesting story is I was uh, uh, reading this book by, um, uh, uh, gosh, I can't ever pronounce her name. It's kind of a, it's kind of a different name, Anne Thiessen Thea Geisen or something like that. She is an, an, an insect uh, PhD um, professor in, uh, I think it's in Sweden. And she talks about that there was a, cer a certain type of bug that actually secretes or sweats what they think could have been manna um, that was gathered up by the Israelites. And, um, and I thought that was kind of cool. But at the same time, when she talks about this is a way of, of, of manna from heaven, she also tries to disprove uh, manna and by saying, well, it was the day that the manna was provided. But Xavier just said that the Israelites gathered manna from the ground six days out of the week. On the seventh day, they rested. And how many years did they gather manna for? Uh, I can't, over 40 years? Yeah, absolutely. Over 40 years in Joshua five, chapter 5, after they've entered into the promised land, Joshua chapter 5, verse 12, it says that's when the manna stopped falling for them. So for over 40 years, they were given manna from heaven. This was a sign, the sign that these Israelites are talking to Jesus about. There, Moses had a sign that he was leading them out of Egypt. What is your sign for us today? And, um, and then we also have the fact that that in Exodus chapter 16, verse 33, manna was gathered up and it was kept inside of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And so we also find that in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4, that they took a jar, they filled it up with manna, they put it in the Ark of the Covenant, and that manna didn't ever go bad. That manna stayed in the Ark of the Covenant. Now that's an amazing preservative right there, uh, you know, a, a food preservative. But this is to be a reference for us of the importance of bread that we find. And I'm just giving some examples from the Old Testament of what, what the importance of bread was in the Old Testament. And bread is a vital and important nutrient to us today. Uh, it reminds me of the other day, our daughter Addison had um, wanted to make some bread. And she said to me that in America, in Nashville, Tennessee, she went to the grocery store to try and get some yeast to make, make bread. I think she was just gonna make pizza dough. And uh, they didn't have any yeast. And I then reference uh, a time in the middle of the um, stay-at-home orders in America. I was talking with my boss on the phone in our con regular Monday conference call, and he was talking about how his spouse had gone out to try and get yeast, and she couldn't get any yeast because the yeast was gone. That during lockdown or during safer at home in America or during this time throughout all of the world, even the, um, the daily newspaper out of the UK even showed people how they can make their own yeast so that that way they can make bread because of how important bread is to us today. And it also makes me think about the times that we've left 
uh, India, and we've gone back to America, and we have a few types of bread here in India. We have brown bread, right? And we have white bread. White bread's terrible. And on occasion, you can find a multigrain bread. Um, and then you go to America, and how many, there's like a whole grocery store aisle that's like 100 meters long that's filled with all different types of bread that I've never even heard of before in my life. Not just with gluten, but even gluten-free bread. Huh? Just get normal bread. Just get normal bread. But I mean, there's so many different types of bread and bread is so important to us. If it snows in America, especially in Nashville, Tennessee, if it snows and you go to the grocery store, what is the first thing that's off the shelves? Bread and milk. Absolutely. Every time it's, it's what's off the shelves. And so we, we have this importance that we see how massively vital bread is for our lives. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. In fact, um, the passage of scripture that we read earlier today in John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am bread from heaven. I am the eternal bread and I am the living bread. And, and this is who Jesus is to you and I today. And we constantly see the importance of this. So we talked about the Old Testament importance of bread. Now what is the New Testament importance of bread? And that is found in both Matthew and Luke, both chapter 4 and both verse 4. So if you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, or Luke chapter 4, verse 4, you can see that Jesus is tempted by the Satan and that he is then uh, said, hey, make some bread out of these stones. And Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone, but from every word that proceedeth from the mouth of the Lord or um, out of the mouth of God. And so we see that Jesus is already pointing in his, oh, go ahead. I, I learned this story in my Bible. Go ahead. For what? Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> okay. You learned a story in the Bible. I learned this one. A story in the Bible. Because he tempts him like three times and he doesn't do any of them. He doesn't fall into the temptations. No. Because one of them he says that um, if you fall um, down off this building, angels will come and save you. And so he doesn't do it because he uses scripture against Satan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he does here as well. He uses uh, scripture again against Satan because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord. And, um, and then there's the passage of scripture of what we've read today in John chapter six, Jesus is the bread of life. That's how important bread is, is that Jesus gives himself, says, I am the bread of life. He also says, I am the light of the world. He also, I mean, there's a lot of I am statements that Jesus makes. And the first one is that I am the bread of life. And, um, and then there's another portion of scripture that I think of um, when it comes to bread, and that is the lack of, uh, or the amount of yeast. Jesus warns his disciples, beware of the yeast of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 14, he even says, beware of the yeast of kings 
and noblemen. In other words, that they, they just put a little bit of a hint of yeast into their talk, just a little bit. They change a word here and there just a little bit, and then all of a sudden they lead you towards destruction. And that is mold over in your mind over and over and over again. And, and Blair's given another one. What is that? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Yeah, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I mean, this is what Jesus is saying about the Sadducees and the Pharisees and about kings. And he's saying, listen, guys, beware of them because just a little bit of what they say could possibly just destroy you. And so, um, and so that is an important thing because what he's kind of talking about here is he's giving us the information of the fact that there will be antichrists that will come. They will do work. They will say they're doing it in the name of the Lord. And what they're really doing is they're attempting to lead you astray because they are a counter Christ or an antichrist. They are a form of godliness, but yet deny the power of whom sent them. And that's not what Jesus is doing at all. He's saying, I have been sent from the hev- from our Father in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, and I have been sent here to rescue you from your sins. I have been sent here to redeem you and to atone you from your sins so that, that way you can have life and life eternal. And that the creation will be redeemed because that's why Jesus came, right? He didn't just come for me as an individual, but he came for my family. He came for my neighbors. He came for my friends. Hey, he even came to redeem this earth, the planet that we're on. And yet we know that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth because this earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. And when you think about that, you think about the fact that Jesus is the bread of life and that you can eat of him and you will have eternal life. The word of God never passes away. That's important to us. And then another part of the New Testament talks about like communion or the Eucharist. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. And again, when we read about what communion is and that the bread and the wine are together, we go back to what Melchizedek does in the book of Genesis. We go through the minor prophets, the major prophets. We go throughout scripture and we see the fact that everything is pointing to Jesus Christ as the bread of life and the redeemer and the atoning death that he would pay on the cross for us. And it doesn't stop there because then through his resurrection, we look towards the future, which is eternity with him. And um, I just think that that's so incredible that we have all of this in this passage of scripture that we read today. And then we have people that leave Jesus when he's giving them this good news right? Isn't that what you read earlier? That they were people that they found this difficult to understand. They, they, whether it was that they thought that Jesus was talking, I mean, some people have said today, they thought Jesus is talking about cannibalism. You must eat of me, drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. And, and so people took that maybe and thought of that literally instead of looking at it through scripture. And, and, and this was, it said specifically, I think it was Blair that was reading when we got to that portion where uh, the people said, this is a hard teaching. And, huh? The disciples said that, yeah. Yeah, the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. And so Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And they say, no, because you're the one that has the words of eternal life. And Peter is exactly right when he says that. 
Yet at the same time, how many times have you seen or have I seen or are we participants in being people that can follow Jesus up to a point and then when the word becomes too difficult for us, we leave? That's the question for us for today. One of the questions for us today. Yes, Mallory. I had a t-shirt that said good news on it. And so mommy always said, here comes good news. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so we have this, we have this part of our life that Jesus is giving us good news because he is answering the Old Testament prophets. He's answering what's happened in the past. He's answering what's happened in my own past, the mistakes that I've made, and he's given me a gift of life, and he's given me the ability to have my sins atoned for and also to lead me out of my sin. And if that is too hard of a teaching for me because I enjoy my sin and I enjoy being uh, in a place that is not with God, then that's going to be a hard teaching for me, isn't it? And that's going to be a difficulty. That's going to be a struggle for me. And so that's going to lead me down a road that is going to be filled with following antichrists and not the bread of life. And Jesus is speaking to us here about being the bread of life. He is providing our needs. He is providing our daily food. He is providing us our daily bread. Remember when Jesus, when the disciples said, teach us, Lord, to pray. And he did. He said, we pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. And this is something that Blair and I have prayed for our families so many times is give us this day. And I'm stopped there. Give us this day, our daily bread. Uh, uh, because it is something that we've needed at times. I mean, we've met those moments where all of our uh, resources were exhausted. We had no food and we, we literally prayed, Lord, our cabinets are empty. Our refrigerator can be unplugged because it doesn't even need to be running right now because there's no food in it. Would you please provide our daily bread? And we would pray that and the doorbell would ring. I'm not kidding here. The doorbell would ring. We would walk to the door and there would be a box with food in it there for us and we would be able to eat and God would answer our prayers in those moments. And these miraculous signs of him always providing for me only creates a desire to trust him more, especially in those moments that I'm terrified, especially in those moments when I'm scared, especially in those moments where I feel like maybe I'm doing things all by myself. God is still right there with me. And that is so encouraging. And I hope that encourages somebody out there today. I hope it encourages us as a family that in the midst of what we're going through right now, at the end of the month of May, as we start lockdown 5.0 here in India, and as things continue to just uh, uh, escalate as far as the numbers of COVID-19 cases go and as far as uh, different fears are going on throughout the world, that we can put those fears to the side and instead we can just trust in Jesus. And so that, that is what I wanted to encourage us with today is that Jesus is the one that provides for our every need, for our everything. He is the bread of life for us for all of eternity. And now I want to open it up to you, Blair, Mallory, and Xavier. Of, is there anything that, I mean, there's a lot that we didn't cover today, but is there anything that just stood out to you today that you want to bring up and, and just share with us to help us and encourage us as we, we continue our uh, Sunday worship? 
Mallory, is there anything? No. Xavier? No. Okay. Blair? All right. Well, let's, let's conclude in prayer then. And Blair, would you, would you please pray as we conclude this morning? Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are in this time of learning of your word, discovering more of who you are and who you are to us. I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to lead and guide and direct our steps as we seek and get to know you and to follow you all the days of our lives. I pray, Lord, that we will first and foremost communion with you as you are the bread of life. You are the one that brings us life. And Lord, as we read our word of the Lord from the Holy Bible, that is daily partaking in you, of discovering the hopes, discovering who we are, the things of the world that we are to rid of of ourselves and to cling more closely to you. Lord, that we won't act against and strife and hurt and harm to our neighbors to the left and to the right and to the front and in the back of us, but that will speak life and ultimately your life. May we be a representative of who you are God be with those that are, have lost loved ones during this time of the pandemic. Continue to wrap your loving arms around those that are in fear of the wars and the rumors of wars and the ugly sins of this world that are going forth all over this earth. God, may we set time aside to discover you. I thank you, Lord, for blessing this day. For God bless this week. You are good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.